You're listening to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where faith journeys extend beyond the Sunday sermon. Join Pastor Jeff Carlson and guests as they dive deeper into spiritual topics, offering insights and reflections that resonate with believers from all walks of life. Join us for enriching conversations in faith, life, and community. This is Beyond Sunday. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Sunday. And I'm Pastor Jeff. This is Pastor Zach Rainey here. And uh, we thought it would be fun today to have a little discussion based on or in response maybe to some of the things we've been working on in our church. And uh, we're just uh, final finishing up a, a series on the five soul of the Reformation and, and uh, working through some of those pillar doctrines of the church. And uh, we're launching this this month and the next several months, and really for the next rest of the year almost, our Discipleship Saturdays. And sure hope that you will make a priority to come. Not you, Pastor Zach, but our listeners. Yeah. Will ma- I mean, I hope you're there too, but you're teaching. I'm uh, teaching Saturdays. Yeah, so that's fantastic. When this podcast goes on. Probably you will have after, already taught, yeah. but nonetheless... Uh, uh, so I hope that you'll come, but I really do, uh, hope and pray that, uh, our church comes, we'll be, we'll be teaching through the fundamental doctrines, what the assemblies of God calls the 16 fundamental truths. And, um, they're, you know, they're, they cover everything from salvation to, you know, the deity of Christ all the way to the, uh, end times the last four doctrines are over the end times. Um, and so there's 12 other doctrines besides the end time doctrines. And, uh, there, you know, it's the theology of the assemblies of God, really. Um, certainly there are peripheral theologies and peripheral thoughts and, and uh, things that we think. Uh, but these are the strong ones, I guess, are the ones that, you know, the hills will die on, I suppose. And uh, so in our Discipleship Saturdays, we'll be teaching through each of these uh, with various various teachers, and and they're all coming. They're all using the same source book called Bible Doctrines, uh, which covers our sixteen fundamental truths. And so, you know, it's important to me. It became. It's become more and more important to me that uh, people know what they what they believe more more than what they believe. Really, what is a sound biblical doctrinal positions on some of these things, particularly. Uh, you know the 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 identity of Jesus, the Trinity, salvation of man, fall of man, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, so that's sort of what has birthed uh, the five sola, as well as um, these discipleship Saturdays. So, I'm super excited about it, uh, and it got it got us to thinking. You know, with with so much out there today, we have more information. I, I was thinking, like, if a false doctrine, and there've been false doctrines since basically the the first century in the New Testament, they yeah, were fighting exactly. false doctrine before the before it was finished. We didn't even have a Bible. There was already heresy. <laughs> so, so like it's no surprise. But I, I was thinking about how, you know, somebody decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with a a new doctrine, a new way to do whatever, a new way to think about Jesus, whatever. And then they would write about it. You know, if you've read ever read church history, which I'm sure you have, you know, that's ha- that happened has happened so many times. Yeah. And they'll write about it, and you know, blah 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 blah. And oh, it, it, you know, it takes years for that doctrine to permeate. You know, any kind of influence, I would say, uh, in the church. But today, because of the speed of information, someone can. 
you know, write a book or, or write a blog post or whatever that may be a heresy or a false doctrine or a new way of looking or whatever. And it is around the world in seconds. And so it's just so much faster. So how much more important is it then that believers have a very strong sense of what is true biblically uh, so they're not deceived. What, what, how important is having that sound doctrine? It's, I think it's absolutely important. One of the things that it's good to look at is the fact that uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy, talks about in the last times what it would look like, and it's almost yeah. a description of what, what you just said. 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 3 says, For there will be a time when they will not put up with sound teaching. But in accordance with their own desires, they will accumulate for themselves teachers because they have an insatiable curiosity and they will turn away from the hearing of the truth and will turn to myths. So it's really important that we get back to the original source of what teaching is, Um, which for us, the very first church came out of Pentecost and the very first line of the, what the church was doing in Acts chapter 2, it says, and they were devoting themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Very first line very first of thing. the very first church. Not so, prayer, not worship, yeah. not taking an offering, and not holy food communion. Came next, but, <laughs> well, you always have food. Food's important, food. But, if, but the yeah. first line was, okay, the apostles' doctrine. You've got to know what you believe. Because like we said, at that time, they didn't even have a New Testament. They were, they were still using the Hebrew scriptures. It wasn't called the Old Testament back then. So they were still using the scriptures, which we would consider the Old Testament. And they said those could, you could learn everything, but the, the, what the apostles knew then became part of, not part of, but came the yeah. New Testament that we have still have carried to this day. Yeah. Um, not, not too long ago, uh, uh, great guy from our church passed away, Mike Connor. Yes. He was a, a great farmer. guy. And uh, I was sitting at Culver's with these these old guys talking about Mike right after he died. And uh, Leon Troyer was describing what a great farmer he was, that he could uh, plant corn in such a straight row <laughs> that, that the yeah. next year when they planted soybeans, corn's planted 30 inches apart, soybeans are planted 15 inches apart. All that Leon would have to do is, you know, in the previous year, Mike planted a row so straight from beginning to end that when he harvested it, Mike Mike could just set the direction and he'd never miss an ear of corn. Then the next year when they come in to plant the soybeans, Leon could just follow that line Mm -hmm. and he would have straight soybeans then. And this is what we're, what we need to be doing for our generation is that in doctrine, we have to have such straight lines for them to follow. Yep. Because, it, you know, at the beginning, if you start a line and you're only two inches off, it's right. no big deal. Right. But by the time you get to the end of the field, you're yards and yards off. Yeah. And you've got zigzags and left and right. And we can't do that with scripture. We can't do that with doctrine. So when, you know, they call, we call in the theological world, we call the Bible the canon, which means the rule. Yeah, it's it is yardstick. the line. It is the yardstick by which we measure 
our lives and our our worship of the Lord and whatever. Yeah, so you know, canon comes from the word cane, yeah, which they use to measure exactly. Yeah. So similar to what you're saying, if we make sure we're plotting the right direction, then we are a lot safer, uh, or or maybe protected even from these other things that would come out that could trip us up. I I think of Second Peter chapter two talking about. Uh, false prophets and false teachers and even false Christs rising in the end times yeah. and talking about how, you know, so many, so many even followers of Christ believers will be deceived by, by these false doctrines and these teachers uh, and how, so, you know, the only way to really insulate yourself from that is to know what the truth is versus what is a lie. So why do you think that in, um, you know, say recent decades, maybe I, I cause I think there was a time when a, a your average believer knew the scriptures, knew the doctrines, understood, um, you know the the things of God in a very deep, maybe a deeper, more robust, or more uh, internalized way. Now, certainly there are people like that today. I'm not saying there aren't, but I would say that you know if that was seventy percent, you know, years ago, that number's. 20 to 30% today in my, in my estimation. So why, what, why the shift? You're just making up statistics. I'm making them up and most statistics are made up. What is it? 90% of statistics are made up? 86. 86%. Okay. I was close. (laughs) (laughs) So so I have no scientific back to back that scientific proof to back that, back that up. But it feels like there's a lot less in these coming generations that really understand the doctrines of the Bible than in years past. So why do you think the shift has happened? What is, what has taken place that has caused that? Do you, do you feel? Um, If, if, if Linda Seiler has not done her sermon by the time you hear this, you got to hear Linda Seiler preach on this topic of how we moved as a society away from facts being the truth Mm -hmm. to how I feel about those facts being the truth. And that's where our society rests right now. I, I don't I don't feel good about what you just said, Pastor, yeah. and therefore it's not true. Yeah. I don't have to follow that. Yeah. So we have drifted away from truth being uh, a set of facts that we follow, and we've got Scripture. God wrote it down very yeah. clearly for us to understand the Scriptures. But if we've switched now to well, how do you feel about what the Scripture says? We we just every man is a king to himself at that yeah. point. Isn't isn't that what Romans one tells us would happen as well? Men will become lovers of themselves, yeah, and you know, lovers of the way that they think and lovers of their ideas, uh, rather than lovers of God. In fact, he says they will love a form of godliness. They'll have a form of godliness, a form yeah. of you know spirituality or religion, but it denies the truth and the power of the gospel. And I, you know, again, I, I don't know what's coming in the world. I don't know what the future holds. I can look back in the past and see, you know, how, where we are today, but it sure feels like we're living. Now there's that word feeling, (laughs) but it sure feels like we're living in days like that described in Romans one. Uh, and we're seeing this happen all around us. The, uh, Bible also talks about not just feeling, but using our imagination in place of mm. the truth in place of scripture. That's not what God meant. No. What God meant was, you know, and then make it up as you want. Yeah. And as you say, that's a dangerous thing to do. Yeah. Dangerous thing to do. Uh, I, I ran into a guy and he, he warned me about th- this was a interesting conversation because he began with a warning. You guys were told in, in the Bible, don't add 
anything to it. Mm. You know, like the in the last chapter of the Bible, book of Revelation, whoever adds or takes away from the words of this book. And he followed that by going through each uh, animal in the Zodiac and showing me how it related to scripture. Oh. <laughs> he, he, he added an entire cosmology to the Bible that's yes. not there after he warns me not to add anything. Because wow. I, I think there are three things that we that we find people are doing. They're either adding their own imagination, adding their own ideas, substituting them in place of the truth or adding to it as if somehow scripture is this big uh, black cauldron and Mm -hmm. you throw in some cabbage and I throw in some carrots. And in the end we all come out with this wonderful soup. That isn't, that isn't how we use scripture. Right. Right. We, we point back to the original sources every time that that we come back to scripture and we've got the best tools these days oh man that than we've ever had isn't that interesting amazing that, uh, such a paradox we have got so much false teaching going about but we've got the best tools to know what was what the scriptures really say than we ever had uh, uh, another practice i see are people that like to water it down yeah you know well you know it doesn't really mean that sexual sin is a sin it's just a different culture and they they begin to make some justification of things it's kind of what the serpent said to eve in the garden right did god really say yeah is that really what god meant you won't die if you eat of this tree that's not what god meant and we're doing that today i think i think that is a a twisting paul uh, i think peter called it twit resting the scriptures for your own purpose so sound doctrine is uh very very important that we we're we're growing so much in our knowledge of scripture we have to make sure that that's where we're staying did you did you when you were studying the reformation did you come across the phrase ad fontes uh, I don't know if I did. Okay, there's a Latin phrase. It's not one of the five solo phrases, but ad fontes was a phrase that was used, and it means to the source. Mm. And that was a catchphrase, and that's where the solas were kind of born out of that idea that, well, we've fallen into human tradition over the past 1,000, 2,000 years. Now let's yeah. get back to Scripture. And they had, the you know, the Reformers were, were reforming I don't know. I don't want to say rebelling, but I guess rebelling against the three pillars of authority in the Catholic Church, which one was Scripture. Uh, but I, I would say that the Catholic Church had moved, and that was the only church around. So let's be clear: we're not bashing the Catholic Church. There just was no other church. Everything was, everyone was the Catholic Church at yeah. that point. Yeah, I think the um, original idea was that they could actually reform. Yes, the Catholic. Yes, church. they weren't trying to leave the church. No. They were trying to get it back to its original roots. And I should say there were, at that point in the 1500s, there were two divisions of the Catholic Church. You had the Eastern Catholic, which today would be the Orthodox Church, Greek Orthodox, Romanian Orthodox, whatever. And then you had the Roman Catholic Church. So, Which uh, back then was Latin services. Right, right. Essentially the same church, just they had had a schism in the 1000s. Uh, over some various things, and so they had they had separated, but essentially still yet the same. So the reformers were working to bring the Roman Catholic Church back, uh, and one of those pillars, as I said, was the Scripture. But the other two, one was the Pope, uh, and and the Pope had made some uh, had made some declarations, and they had twisted where the Pope, if if the Pope would speak, he would speak as on the same authority as Scripture and of God. 
And so whatever the Pope wanted to declare, whatever he felt like declaring or saying this is required for salvation or, or here's our new thing, we're going to do whatever, then it was as if God was speaking to the church. And then the third one was in addition to the, in addition to the scripture, equal to scripture, equal to and often contradictory of yeah. in that day. And then the third was church tradition. Well, this is how we've done it. You know, and you've heard before this, is how we've done it for so long. This is how we have to do it. The thousand years. Exactly. Of course. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, so the reformers were saying, okay, these three things, uh, we can't live by these three things. One is a human, and the other one doesn't even count. Uh, Acts 2.42 is really the only church tradition things that we get. They, the apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread, which is the Lord's Supper, uh, of course, fellowship, prayer. You know, Those were the church traditions, if you will, that came out of the first century, by and large. Uh, and so the reformers were saying, let's get back to the scriptures. So today... Um, you know, we have, we have, as you said, we have all these tools, we have more stuff about the scriptures and more information. We have more, you know, commentaries and side books and resources. We have more ancient text yes. than ever existed. Yes. We have more Which, accurate translations yeah. than and that's have ever been. Compare, we can compare these thousands of texts yes. that exist now rather than the a handful that existed in 1611 when uh, the King James Bible was yes. translated. But we've got thousands of ancient texts of the New Testament that we can compare, and we've got scholars that are working on that. It's all being computerized. It's just amazing. It's all right what there. What we've got today. I think that I would, I would, I would love to see believers spend more time um, with the scriptures themselves than with the peripheral things that are out there. So whether those are commentaries or, you know, devotional books, like I'll never forget, um, you know, every once in a while, I, I'll, I'll try to, ju- I don't try to read through the Bible in the year. Like that's not my goal. If I do it, fine. If I don't, are fine. Are you even saved? If you I know, I'm not, I, I'm quite, my salvation is questionable. Uh, <laughs> but I read, I read methodically through the Bible, but sometimes I just, you know, it's not my goal to get through by the end of the year. I usually do, but that's not my goal. So, uh, once in a while I'll start, you know, if I'll do a fast or I'll just, you know, feeling like, man, I need some, I need to work on this part of my life or whatever. So I'll look up reading plans, you know, like on you version or, or whatever, which is a great resource that we have, you know, hundreds of translations in this one Bible app yeah. and all these devotionals, whatever. Anyway, so I, I, I'll pick one. I remember one time I, I picked one, like how to be a man, you know, like I want to be a better man, a husband, father, whatever. And so I start this thing. And, uh, you know, the, the devotional is, you know, two pages, three pages long. And then you read two verses of scripture. Yeah. So I get, I, I get all this commentary or this, you know, whoever the author was, and I'm not trying to throw stones at them, but I get all this commentary on what it is to be a godly man. And then two verses of scripture on what it is to be a godly man. And I just feel like that has contributed to where we are today. That kind of a thing where that should be reversed. I should have, you know, so much more scripture and much less commentary. And I would, I would that, uh, believers would begin to go back to that. Let's go back to the word. Let's go back to the scriptures. Let's go back to the original text. Uh, obviously, most most believers don't know Hebrew and no, Greek. And, but we have such good English translations today. Right. We, 
Uh, ESV is great. I was going to ask you, like, what what do you feel like is? Um, I've started I, preaching with I'm ESV. Weird. I'm weird on this. Nobody uses the Lexham English Bible except for me. Well, that's but, why you're a rabbi. But that's the one I happen to use because of my <laughs> software that I use. You know. Yeah. Uh, but I I definitely know that we've got some really great English translations. I've started using English Standard uh, on on the slides and in my notes. What do, you, uh, what do you normally preach from? Well, I used to preach from NLT, New, New Living, New because Living. and it's it's a it's a paraphrase, so New Living is very readable. It's it's, well, it's I, I think it's stronger than a paraphrase. Well, we get into it's not like the, the message or we whatnot. get into the spectrum of yeah. is it is it the ideas or is it the exact words and, yeah. and uh, neither one's better. I yeah. think we have to have both. We have to have some translations Agreed. like the NASB, which was a very good word for word, and then we also need those. Uh, yeah. like the uh, New Living Translation that give us the broader ideas of what Scripture I is. read in my personal devotion, I still read the New Living. Yeah. I like the way it reads. I, I, it, it's, it's a little bit more story form, you know, versus the, like the literal. But, I, yeah. but when I study, like my favorite study Bible is the Hebrew-Greek key study Bible, uh, which is an NA, uh, New American Standard, I believe. Uh, which is also a good translation. Uh, I I I like to study like that you need because like a college education to read it though. It's, well, it's, it's true. A, it's it's a higher it, vocabulary. That's why I'm saying it's not helpful for for devotional. And yeah. you know, I, I think when you say that, you know, we need both. We need the we need to, sometimes yeah. we need to go back to what that word means and what the author was yeah. intending. And sometimes we got we got to tell so, the kids a Bible story. Hundred percent. Can't use the, so sometimes it's the spirit of the law and sometimes yeah. it's the letter of the yeah. law. You know, it's the Bible tells us. Uh, so I, I I like various versions, uh, and I don't know that one's right and one's wrong. I think I think people need to deal with uh, and engage what they're comfortable with and what what gives them life, what feeds them. I know, like my mother in law adores the Amplified. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least that's what I remember. She loved, you know, all the flowery now, when I do <laughs> descriptors. You want that. When I do devotions, I very often will pull up Eugene Peterson's yeah. The Message. Yeah, I enjoy The Message. I know it's extreme paraphrase, but it's it's very devotional. It's it's like Agreed. listening to Eugene Peterson do a sermon yes. on that passage. Yes. You know? uh, it's not going to be my study Bible, but it gives me some insight sometimes. Uh, and and as when we were talking about commentaries, you know, I own, I have no idea how many hundreds of commentaries yeah. I own, but I have a little rule in my head when I'm reading any someone else's commentary on scripture, is is this book trying to teach me what the scripture said, or is the person writing right. it trying to tell me what they think the scripture yes. says? And, and some we, are better than others. Yeah. And because the worst question we can ever do is we could read a passage and say to ourselves, what does this mean to me? Yes. That leads straight to heresy. Yes. Because we, we're not looking for, oh, how do I feel about this? We're back to, this, to the feeling thing again when we right. do that. The best question we can ask ourselves is, what did this scripture mean to the first century church, the original recipients, and then how do I apply living like Christ uh, to my life today? Wow. Okay. I think we're going to do a part two to this uh, about resources and, and what are some good resources out there. I didn't know we were going to get into resources. Well, I didn't yeah. either, but it makes sense now. I mean, that wasn't the thought I had when we started, but having this conversation, um, I think that that would be worthy uh, to give people some thoughts on, on maybe some ways they could dive deeper into the scriptures themselves and not the peripheral things, but actually what the scripture says. So we'll do that uh, when we come back to another episode of Beyond Sunday. Thanks for listening today. 
And uh, we'll be back with you again very, very soon. Uh, until then, this is Pastor Jeff and Pastor Zach. And we love you and we'll, uh, we'll catch you again. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Beyond Sunday podcast. We invite you to join the conversation and share your thoughts at connectionpointchurch.org slash beyondsunday. Spread the word and share this podcast with others. Stay inspired and connected as we explore faith beyond Sunday.